To all Venn alumni and friends, this is Julia and Sam Bloor welcoming you to Venn Lockdown Radio. Just kidding. Yes, welcome to the second program of Venn Lockdown Radio. Another week's gone by, another week in lockdown has gone by and starting to settle into things. Yeah, it's starting to feel like it's not quite as abnormal to be at home all of the time. And there are some cool ideas coming up on social media and stuff around how to entertain the kids during lockdown. Yeah, but we've tried all of them. We actually, well, I thought we came up with a great idea this week, which was to go fishing in the little pop-up pool that we've got outside. So Sam That's got right. the fishing rods out and attached magnets Took to the, the end of them. Took the sinkers and hooks off and Took, yeah. replaced them with magnets. And then we cut fish out of ice cream lids, put little paper clips on them, and then chucked them in the water and kept the kids entertained. About well, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So if you're into something that has about an hour and a half's prep for a payoff yeah. of about ten minutes of uninterrupted happiness, then that's the ratio that a lot of parents are getting used to. Yeah, in, indeed. Uh, these sort of times of lockdown. Hey, you'll have noticed that this has hit your inboxes a day early on Wednesday rather than Thursday, and that's because Common Ground is going to be coming out early. It's going to be with you on Thursday. It will normally be out on a Saturday, but because of Easter. It's coming out tomorrow with some resources for you to reflect on over Easter, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and we have got a fantastic lineup on today's show. I sound like one of those like actual radio DJs. I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> I am actually really looking forward to the lineup that we've got on today's program. We're going to be chatting with Andre Muller, uh, with Ruth Bollin, with Jane Silloway-Smith all the way from California, and then of course with Liv Byrne at the end of the show. But first things first, let's catch up with our CEO and good friend, Nathan McClellan. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Julia, and hello, Sam. Hey, mate. Hey, it's been a week now since the first lockdown radio program went out, and also a bit of time has passed since the Common Ground was sent out. Have you had much feedback from the alumni community? Yeah, we've had a lot of feedback. It's been encouraging seeing how far Common Ground is being read throughout New Zealand. So we're able to see it's been read right from the far north uh, to the deep south, so that's encouraging. Uh, we're also getting people reading it in Australia. There are alumni there, obviously, and the UK and US, and even a few people in Europe, Poland of all places. So that's interesting. I don't know who's in Poland. I was going to say, who's in Poland? If you're listening to this, please email or text us. We'd love to hear from you. You're able to look at some of the analytics right down to the cities where it's coming from. So you've you've worked out that your parents are tuned in, aren't they? Because you've seen the Palmerston North stats. Yeah, there's a few people in Palmerston North who are reading it. Um, I think a couple of those are bound to be my parents. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> that's great. Um, we, we've also um, we've also had emails and texts from alumni just saying how much they're appreciating both Common Ground and Lockdown Radio, hearing um, alumni, other alumni share their stories. The, the highlight, I think, from last week was the story um, from Ben and Kathy. Always good to have a love story. Oh, um, yeah. So that was exactly. that was great. So we've been encouraged by that. Uh, I just encourage people to keep sending in feedback. It's helpful for us as we calibrate what we're doing. And if people have got suggestions of things they'd love uh, them to be speaking on and into, we'd love to we'd love to hear some of those suggestions as well. 
Michelle yeah. Young was joking this week that some of the analytics were spiking because people maybe thought it was Ben Harper, the singer-songwriter that we were interviewing. <laughs> not, not that they would have been disappointed by the real thing, our Ben, and uh, a story that certainly trumps anything that the singer-songwriter could have contributed. Hey, how's life going for you and Bron and the boys? Yeah, we're in a bit more of a routine uh, this week, which has been good. One of the things Bronwyn and I are trying to do is we're trying to create a bit more space for prayer, um, both in the morning and the evening. And one of the things we've been doing is responding to some of the prayer requests that have been coming in from alumni and friends, creating space to do that. And it's been a real honour and a joy to to be praying. Even before COVID-19, we pray for alumni regularly and friends of... uh, then regularly, but there's something about getting actual prayer requests, knowing the specifics of what's going on in people's lives and having the opportunity just to pray for people. It's giving us a sense of connection and uh, we're we're enjoying that. And can I just encourage people to remember there is the prayer at then.org.nz. If you have things you'd like us to pray pray for, please uh, send in those requests. And um, uh, people from the team will will pray. It's a real honour and a privilege to be praying alongside of people at this time. Mm. It is. Awesome. Prayer at then.org.nz. That's right. Awesome, mate. Hey, thanks so much for joining us again. We'll catch up with you next week. Thank you. Take care. It will make a weak man mighty. It will make a mighty man fall It will fill your heart and hands Or leave you with nothing at all It's the eyes for the blind And legs for the lame It is love for hate and pride for sure Now that's the power of the gospel That's the power of the gospel That's the power of the mighty power That's the power of the gospel That's the power of the gospel One of the pieces that you will have seen in The Last Common Ground was written by Jane Silloway-Smith, and she joins us all the way from California, USA. Jane, great to see you and to catch up with the family briefly before we started this recording. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. It looks like your weather's better than ours is. Yeah, it's a rare thing for us to be able to claim that over uh, over California. We really appreciated the piece. Um, there was lots in there, and, and actually not just for families, but some of your advice, you've been in lockdown longer than we have. I personally... I must admit, I read your advice, make sure you take a shower every day on a day when I was reading it that I hadn't because I was waiting for a run to go on a run that never came. And so embarrassingly, I was like, that is good advice, Jane. I'm going to I'm going to take that on board. But you've been in lockdown now. It's coming up four weeks. Yeah, we start. This is our fourth week now in it. Yep. So we got um, put under lockdown just before St. Patrick's Day. Wow. And so what I mean, you wrote some of this in the article. You've had another week and a half uh, since then, or a week more since then. 
and more than that, the prospect of it going much longer potentially than ours. Tell us a bit about that and how you're sort of strategizing for that. Yeah, so in California, um, we locked down kind of early for the U.S. states, um, like I said, just before St. Patrick's Day. And at that time, it looked like, oh, it'll be a few weeks. It's a precaution thing. It's to, you know, not, not to spread any further. But as we get further and further in and the, and the cases mount and the deaths mount, it's, it's looking like a lot longer. So whereas at first they were talking about, oh, we'll be out in two weeks. Oh, we'll be out after Easter. Now it's maybe we'll be out in June. So it's looking like it'll be at least three months, um, potentially a little wow. bit longer than that. Wow. Um, okay. it, a lot remains to be seen what happens over the coming weeks. Is there anything that you can add to your article in terms of advice that you can give us? I loved it as well and and thoroughly agreed with the, the shower every day, getting outside every day. It's just, it's such good practical advice. Is there anything else you've kind of learnt as you've um, as you've been through the last week and, week and a half? Yeah, so at the beginning, the first few weeks, it just reminded me so much of having a new baby at home. It's like your life completely just feels like it just stops, like suddenly schedules are completely different. You have nothing to do, but everything to do. Um, so things like showering and making sure you're still eating and yes. that, you, that you have a bit of a schedule in place. Like that was so important in those first weeks, kind of remembering, oh wait, I, I can do life even in a confined space. Um, as the time goes on and it's like dragging on and the novelty wears off and the kids have just had it with being in the house. Yeah. And, you see no one but your spouse, no other adult beside your spouse for a long time. Um, you know, other things start to creep up. So, um, so those things like praying, finding that grounding space and realizing this is part of something much bigger than just what's going on in my family, what's going on in my head. Um, and also feeling like you can do something as in, so in the US, we, the deaths are still mounting, the cases are still climbing, um, feeling helpless sometimes. And, and finding that, you know, if you're stuck at home, what can you do? You can't you do your normal, you can't go out and volunteer. You can't, you're not a doctor. You can't go out and help people. So what can you do? And praying is something you can do and finding that praying is actually really powerful. It can seem like when you're busy, oh yeah, praying. Oh yeah, those people will pray, but I could go out and do something about it. But now it's like, no, wow, this is, this is what we have to do. Yeah, um, so and this is, this is where the power is. Yeah. Yeah, and, as, and especially it's been really interesting doing this during Lent and building up to Easter. And I know you guys are, are preparing to do a whole thing about Easter um, next week. But just the, the symbolism, like I was doing um, the Exodus with the kids last week and, and looking at, you know, God going through all the plagues in, in Egypt and how long that took and how long the Egyptians, or sorry, the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt. And you think about God's timelines and what he's trying to work through, but yet the miracles that come um, when people are open to them and are listening for those, those things that they can do. And sometimes it is just gathering up the bread and going, um, you know, if you can find bread that is at the store. <laughs> <laughs> or flour, or flour to cook it. Um, that's been the thing we've been, uh, Jane, like many of us, you've been doing sort of online versions of, of church. You guys uh, go along to local Catholic church, but you've actually got, um, it coming, beaming into your home, uh, from a more familiar face than that, but from across the miles. So this has been your brother. Yes, yeah, my brother is a priest in a, a tiny resort community um, in Georgia, and his parish was actually really early on to the live streaming. So our parish didn't live start live streaming until two weeks ago, um, but my brother's was live streaming. So the first couple of weeks of, of the lockdown, yeah, we, 
we had Uncle Mike on screen, as my kids call him, um, which was a lot of fun to see him because we've been to his parish a couple of times, but yeah, we don't go there every Sunday. So Mike, Uncle Mike is over in Georgia, and I know that you guys were planning to actually be moving in that direction. What's happening with that? Yeah, so we had planned to move um, to be closer to family uh, at the beginning of June, so when the kids' school year would end, and to go out there. We had bought a house, um, we had the movers all, all set up, and then, of course, the school got called off in kind of early mid-March. And now we're looking at going early because it's looking like the kids won't be going back to school um, at all for this year. And so we're like, well, we might as well go. The problem is, though, that driving, we have to drive across the country. So Georgia's on the other coast, the east coast, and we're, of course, in L.A. on the west coast. So driving through, and it's looking like um, some states are starting to close their borders a bit, um, especially to people coming from states where there are known cases. So California would be, would be one of those. So we're looking at maybe hiring an RV so that we can stay okay. completely <laughs> contained and just driving across the country quarantining for two weeks and um, then living with my parents. But yeah, it remains to be seen. Wow. Well, we'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers, Jane, as you guys kind of process that and make some of those decisions. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You've been um, a, a very much a longtime friend of Venn, and it's really lovely to hear your voice. Yeah, thanks for letting me on. See ya. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to day 13 of our COVID Alert Level 4 uh, lockdown and update. Well, it hasn't actually been that long since our next guest was sitting at our table every week sharing dinner with us. Ruth Bollin was a part of the last cohort, um, and she has since moved back up to Whangarei and is working as a medical registrar at Whangarei Hospital. And she has been on the team that's actually um, working on the response to COVID-19. How are you going, Ruth? Hi, Jules. Hi, Sam. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going well. Um, a little bit tired. It hasn't been a uh, quiet lockdown. Um, no, I guess. Essential services. But. No, it doesn't sound like it. What does it actually look like to be on the COVID-19 response team? Um, that's a good question. Um, and one that's kind of evolving on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis. Yeah. Um, so it all kind of started uh, about three weeks ago now. Um, I'd been back at work for a fortnight um, and my um, department head um, asked if I'd be willing to um, put some thought into the kind of policies and procedures and how we were going to do this, mm. not really knowing what we're preparing to face, but um, yeah starting to think about what our response might look like um so yeah that's been um a pretty pretty crazy journey really um first kind of thought was like whoa this is this is really not a drill like this is for real <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. Um, yeah yeah like this these decisions really count um none of us have kind of done this before um and yeah it's just been really incredible actually to be part of the hospital um, response, um, which has just happened at so, so many different levels and layers. Um, mm. the, the complexity of it all is, yeah, absolutely mind-boggling. So, Ruth, I imagine a lot of it is sort of procedure-based, how things are going to flow, how you're going to sort teams out around the hospital, who's going to be in places where. 
uh, and when and all of those sorts of things. What about in terms of just the practicality of how the hospital looks? Like how have wards been set up to sort of have COVID-19 patients separate from other patients and things like that? Yeah, it's been it's been absolutely incredible. So um, it's, it's really amazing when there's a bit of pressure to get stuff done and everyone's got a kind of how can we do this rather than how can we do this by all of the book um, <laughs> attitude. Right. How, yep. yeah, how amazing and how quickly things come together. So our whole hospital has been split into basically a, a green zone and a red zone um, designed to kind of keep all the people that might be infectious on one side and all the people that aren't infectious on the other. Yeah. Um, and as part of that, that's meant completely redeveloping our rosters. So we've got doctors that can staff those areas. Um, it's meant um, massive redesigns of, yeah, whole departments have just have been relocated. Um, big uh, plastic curtain walls have sprung up um, all over the place. Um, there's uh, signs everywhere telling you how to wash your hands and what gown to gown to wear and you know caution you're entering the red zone um so yeah wow. it's quite a quite a different place to what it was um a month ago people always used to ask me does is a and e like the movies i, I want to ask you the same question this time ruth because this is different this is another level again is it sort of looking a bit like some of those movies i'm thinking contagion and other things with plastic wrap everywhere and hazmat suits there is a lot of plastic wrap there are a lot of masks there are a lot of face shields um it's yeah it doesn't look like it used to look that's for sure ruth like, like a lot of people coming onto our programs people often come in transitional times um not always but uh, you were in the last cohort of the fellowship that's often a common thing uh, folks sometimes doing the the vvp our vocational program it can be at a time of transition even summer conference can feel a little, little bit like that for people and i know for you it was a time of just assessing uh, what what was your call into medicine what what did it look like and you've literally landed back in whangarei months before this how have you been kind of processing that and what's been your sense of what god's been saying to you along the way yeah um it's it's been really amazing actually um so certainly when i stepped out of medicine to come and do the fellowship i yeah had a real sense that um it was kind of a sabbath year for me um that i needed to kind of yeah put put my career as it were um on the table and uh hear from God if that's what he was calling me back into. Um, when the fellowship finished, I had took about three months, three or four months, really um, just, yeah, it's hard to kind of describe what happened in those few months, uh, just really waiting on God and trying to pull together and hear what he'd been saying to me through the previous year. Not having the slightest inkling that, you know, that could in some way be a time of preparation for where I now find myself. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm quite amazed um, at God's leading and provision um, and having taken me through that season, which, yeah, the, the lessons I've learned in that time, I'm calling on kind of day to day yeah. at yeah. this point. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's, been, that's been pretty amazing. I, I think sitting in that, in that space at the end of last year there was a real sense of like you know this is this is where trust gets real like how am i how am i really um 
putting all my eggs in God's basket or whatever kind of cliche you want to use. As much as any of us can ever do that. Um, and saying, God, here I am, like, what do you have for me to be doing? Um, and to yet to find myself here um, and continuing to ask that question and going, whoa, and this is where trust gets like realer and realer and realer. Um, yeah, I, I don't think many of us going into medicine um, would probably have asked the question, like, could my life be on the line doing this? And like, the reality is my life is probably not on the line, but equally, you know, um, there are healthcare workers that are losing their lives around the world with yeah. this yeah. virus. Um, and yeah, that's, that's quite a confronting thing. And there's a lot of, um, yeah, the, uh, Facebook is not a good place <laughs> to go in terms yeah, of yeah. those kind of stories and just a lot of fear that's out there amongst, um, amongst my colleagues. So I think, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of kind of exploring what does it mean to trust in a setting where there's just a lot of uncertainty um, mm-hmm. and a lot of, yeah, fear of, fear of the unknown, really. What does it mean to live in God's big story where, you know, I think I know something about the beginning and something about the end. And what does that say? How does that help me understand where we are now? Um, so, yeah, that's been, that's been pretty amazing. I think a lot of what I learnt and um, reflected on um, in terms of vocation has been really helpful. And that, I, yeah, I, I, I do have quite a clear sense that I have been called back into medicine, um, and maybe for this, all this time. Um, and yeah, just a sense that if God's called me here, then he'll be with me, whatever that looks like. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And I think like the, the freedom as well of kind of being able to see myself in my role as just one little part of what God's asking his whole body, the church to do in response to this. Like, I don't have to hold the whole big picture together. Um, there's a whole lot of areas that are yeah that i that that aren't my area which gives me a freedom to do what i can to bring shalom and to show his love in the area that is right in front of me which is yeah the the staff and the patients that will come um across my way Mm. in the next few weeks so great that's so amazing to hear ruth hey we will make sure that we continue to be praying for you and for your team and what you guys are doing there thanks yeah like prayer is certainly a huge part of um of of what's going on that was yeah it was pretty cool i had a pretty cool moment today we opened our one of our units that um there's been a lot of work going to into preparing and they said well all the komatawa have been sent home we need someone to pray a blessing for the unit. <laughs> they said, Ruth, would you pray a blessing for the unit? Oh, wow. I was like, oh, wow, God. Like, so, yeah. Um, so that, yeah, just crazy little things that God's up to in the midst of all this. That like, is yeah. so we'll cool. See. What a great story. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Ruth. Bless you, Ruth. Thank you. Talk soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye now. Bye. Our next guest is one of the newer members of the Venn staff. He's based down in Wellington as a senior teaching fellow, Andre Muller. Great to have you with us, Andre. Thanks. Lovely to be here. Hey, it was a wonderful piece that you wrote as well in the last issue of 
common ground, this introduction to Holy Week. And it was a, a rich article. And if you're listening and haven't read that, I really encourage you to do that. Uh, Andre, uh, a lot of work went into that, no doubt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a stressful <laughs> week writing it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I have got a question for you, Andre. Um, liturgy. <laughs> uh, That's a word, well, so not a question. <laughs> well, I Sam Could and I have been talking, and I um, my understanding of liturgy has been that it is basically repetitive practices and habits that we have in our lives. And I know to some extent that's true, but I'm also starting to understand as we are now going to an Anglican church um, that there's more to it than that. Are you able to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, um, there is more to it than that. I mean, I grew up in a a church which was not liturgical. Mm -hmm. Um, My people were known for the joy they had and the spontaneity, and they thought of liturgy as a sort of dead thing. Um, More recently, a lot of people have come out of those kind of um, churches, uh, think of liturgy have engaged with liturgy um, in um, in some of the more traditional churches, um, and tend to think of it simply as, or mainly as, kind of habits and and things that we do. I mean, that's certainly true that it is is um, habits and and things we do, but in the context of our worship in in the church, it's actually doing a lot more than that. I think. One of the things I was trying to get at in the piece um, was that um, liturgy is one of the gifts that God gives the church to bring us into the life of Christ. Um, And so as we pray the prayers and as we read scripture and as we perform certain kinds of actions, these things we may do or, you know, we read sacred texts and we, 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 um, we can perform um, certain kinds of sacramental actions outside, you know, all of the time. That's what we are. We're worshipful creatures. But in the context of the church, those things are actually being used to bring us into God's life, into the life of Christ. What I'm nervous about a little bit about thinking of them simply as sort of acts and things um, we do is that uh, it's too general account. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that they're bringing us into Christ's life. Right. Um, yeah. Andre, when I was uh, doing some study years ago, one of our sort of lecturers in theology, as we were going through some of the famous heresies of the church, he said, oh, look, lest you be tempted to think that these heretics were um, in some way sort of a bit simplistic. He he encouraged us instead to think of it this way, that if you if you hadn't yourself been sorely tempted into towards one of the heresies, you probably hadn't thought about it hard enough um, <laughs> yeah. yet. But there, there is something about um, those heresies that, that in, a, in a strange way, are almost acknowledging the depth of the mystery uh, and in their attempts to try and slip the knot. And I, I feel a little bit like that when we come to Easter. I, I find Easter and, and the cross, it's profound, but it's so profound I don't feel like I'm grasping its profundity. I'm, I've, I'm feeling like I'm being a little her- heretical in the lightness of my approach to it. And so I wondered if you ever feel that way, how you've grappled with it a lot longer and a lot deeper than I have, 
What are some things that have kind of bubbled to the surface about this Easter week? Yeah. Um, yeah, I find thinking about the crosses can be completely overwhelming at times. It's not something, firstly, though, that we think about. It's not the first thing about it. It's something that we're invited to live into. It's something that provides the context for our actions, the context for our thinking. Something happened. God did this extraordinary thing. There are all sorts of ways to to think about that. I think um, in the piece that I wrote, I had John's account of 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 what's going on there a little bit in my mind. That this is fundamentally um, the son. Uh, handing over his life to the father um uh uh and in that movement bringing bringing everything with him bringing him everything with him um uh to the father um but that that's not primarily or firstly something uh that's um how do i put it the subject for a PhD thesis, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. that's firstly something you discover in worship. Um, that's why actually the again the liturgy is something that's bringing us into that moment, mm. into that um, what Christians want to claim, I think, is that um, the the cross is not um, the cross is certainly. Um, historical event if you like but it's it's not one more thing that happens it's it's the it's the very thing that enables everything else to happen it's the moment where everything is drawn into this one moment um it's the hour again this johannine language it's the hour by which all the other hours are judged and all the other hours come to make sense and all of the brokenness and fragment um the fragments of our lives are sort of held together at that moment. So. That's great. Andre, thank you so much. And I could listen to that for hours, yeah. Andre. We could chat this here is for what, hours. And I imagine some is, of our listeners could too. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and what I know um, we often hear during the fellowship is the fellows have had you as their teacher, that they're coming over to our place for dinner and raving about how much they love sitting listening to you. So for any of you guys out there who are just wanting to grasp more of what Andre has to say, make sure you check out his article um, in The Last Common ground thanks for joining us andre all right anytime see you mate and to finish off today's program it is time for us to chat with liv Byrne and find out what's coming up in the next edition of common ground hey liv hey sam hi jules nice to see you nice to talk to you how are you going oh great great i'm really looking forward to what's coming up in uh, common ground this week yeah, um, tell us what's in there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got, uh, as many of you know, we've got Easter coming up. And so in this edition of Common Ground, which we're going to be sending out on Thursday, normally we send it out first thing on Saturday mornings, but we're bringing it forward a couple of days to Thursday so that you have plenty of resources going into the Easter Easter weekend. Right. So um, 
we've got some cool pieces. One of the pieces is from John Fox, who's an alumni of um, the internship and who many of you will know. He's, um, he's a vicar down in Christchurch and he's writing a framing piece on Easter. So you can look forward to that. Awesome. Right. We've also got um, some artwork from one of our alumni, Winita Madden and some poetry oh. from our resident poet, John Dennison. Um, right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really pumped for this one because they're going to be taking us through the four days from Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. So oh. offering these reflections to help us uh, journey through the weekend as well. Um, we've also got a long form piece from Luke that kind of expands on some of the things he was talking about in Philippians oh, last yeah, week. Philippians. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, we've also got a worship playlist from Donald a piece from Mel Cooper about some of the lessons she's learned living with family in lockdown. Um, wow. And then just some, uh, a great editorial coming through as well. So it should be, a, it should be a great edition of Common Ground. Yeah, oh. that does sound great. Sounds like you're going to be sleeping for the four days of Easter yeah. though, live <laughs> after pulling all of that together. Well oh, done. you know, you well know. Done. <laughs> Such a hard worker. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's actually a lot of fun to do this. Yeah, I'm really oh. enjoying it. Yeah, well done, I can imagine it is. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for joining us again, and we'll be chatting to you again next week. Enjoy your Easter weekend. You too. Have fun with the Easter egg hunt. Hopefully, it will happen on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> Thank we've you. We've got a little one planned. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. See you later. Happy Easter, New Zealand! Oh, my goodness. An Easter egg hunt. Did you buy Easter eggs? No, Did you you totally just told Liv that you had a little one planned. Do you do you have Easter eggs? <laughs> we don't eggs? have one planned. One of us is going to the supermarket in about five minutes time, <laughs> team. Thanks for joining us this week. Oh, another thing we forgot to do was memes of the week with Liv. Yes, make sure you keep sending them in. We have been getting some good ones. Favourite ones so far? I think we've all got to... Well, let's close with this. Let's all be like our second toe, the little piggy who, who stayed, stayed home. home. See you next week.